You're a Negro. No. I am your teacher. You are a Negro. No. Suppose I threatened to beat you, what would you say? Aren't you a Negro now? No. What are you? I'm black and beautiful. What is your nationality? My nationality is Afro-American. Hey everyone, this is the first episode of Stay Conscious' podcast. I'm Kennedy. And I'm Talise. And with this podcast, we really want to focus on social justice issues, the leaders of social movements, and the implications of breaches in social justice. So today, we're going to be looking at the Black Panther Party, taking a look at what its purpose was and how it was criminalized in the late 1900s. Yeah, so the Black Panther Party was founded in 1966 by Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seale. Both men were already involved in civil rights issues and groups in their early lives, but they were unsatisfied with continued police brutality. Um, The party was mainly prominent within Oakland, California, but as popularity grew, it expanded to multiple cities throughout the United States. In a lot of cities with, like, large black populations like like you said oakland chicago uh yeah texas seattle i was surprised about texas actually me too yeah um and i think it's important to mention that the black panther party was originally called the black panther party for Mm self-defense and the name of course evolved with time but i think just the original name really signals that the party was aimed at protecting black americans exactly and they really like focused on patrolling police and they, you know, used that idea of the fear tactic to show that they were willing to defend black Americans from police and any other threat um, that was instituted in the United States. Yeah. It was um, all about like protecting their people from the systems that wouldn't protect them. And so, yeah, like you said, they would patrol police officers loaded with loaded guns I think that's maybe important to mention. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just a tad bit important to mention. Yeah, but they were doing that with the purpose of making sure that the officers were not abusing their power. Yeah, and I definitely want to mention how they were far more sophisticated than radical imitators really give them credit for. They identified themselves actually as a political organization instead of just a radical social justice group as how we see them now or how they're portrayed within movies and the media and things like that. Um, and they really focused on inclusivity and, you know, of different classes and different individuals. Um, for example, the Talented Ten, they really started to represent people that were really excluded from the Talented Ten were just, that were just, um, individuals who, black individuals to be, to be specific, (laughs) black individuals to be specific, they were, um, those that had a higher education. And so the Black Panther Party really brought all those people together to show some type of representation and bring them and show that they had a voice that needed to be heard. So you're you're saying that the Black Panther Party tried to, well, can maybe explain what the Talented Ten is again? Yeah. So they're African-American individuals that were middle class with higher ed- levels of education. Mm-hmm. And they were mainly seen as the ones that could be presented to white individuals, if that makes sense, and people that were in political power that had a say in how Black people were represented within their communities. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about the Talented Ten, that excludes a lot of African Americans from Mm -hmm. 
being involved in legislation and getting their voices heard. So the Black Panthers really brought them into the light, brought all individuals into the light and mm-hmm. allowed them to feel included in political issues. Yeah. And I love how that kind of is really also enforced in the ideals of the Black Panther Party, like the 10 point program that they made, which was kind of their creed or maybe their rules of the party. Each one is focused on the liberation of the Black community, but also exerting self-control over their own future, despite the, you know, kind of restrictive systems that surrounded them. And even the first point, point number one, claims we want freedom. We want the power to determine the destiny of our Black community. And I think that's really powerful. And I love, again, that you mentioned the Talented Ten because they kind of go hand in hand. Like, the purpose of the Black Panther Party is kind of in everything that they do. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that purpose is misrepresented. Yeah. And even though the Black Panther Party really emphasized the importance of equality, women still struggle to overcome gender inequality within the party itself. Oh, that's Um, interesting. Yeah. Even though women made up half of the party's membership um, and held crucial leadership roles, women still struggled with having their voices be heard, even within a group that promoted inequality promoted equality, Mm -hmm. sorry. Um, And that really shows the whole idea of intersection between misogyny as well as race and racism. Um, Even though they were all fighting for the same thing, women still were put down on some type of um, level from men. And that should not be ignored, especially when we're talking about a group that promoted equality itself. They still made exceptions. yeah, and I think that's really deep. Yeah, it's fair, definitely fair to examine the complexities of this group. I mean, we just talked about how with the Talented Ten, they were trying to be more inclusive, but now we also could maybe criticize that and say that they weren't trying to do that with people, with their own oh, memberships. Yeah, and with their own women. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, ooh, let's not, let's not get started on how, you know, Black women show up for Black men, but then Black men women don't show up for Black, black women. women. I mean, Let's do we want to do we want to talk about I mean, that? Do we? We can touch on it. Okay, just for a little bit. Um, um, go first. I know that there's this video. I actually showed Kennedy a video a couple of days ago about um, these black men that were supposed to be referencing their preference in women, but they really ended up discriminating against black women. And the funny part is, is all of them were black men, and I was like, how do you? discriminate against your own race um especially when it comes to black women because you were born from a black woman so to show that that idea of black men still discriminating against black women still happens in 2020 when we live today is insane to me I mean I don't know about you but when I saw that video I was like I wasn't even that I was hurt because I knew it existed. I was just frustrated. Yeah, when you showed me that, I kind of, I got, I got angry, honestly. I was like, it was just really hard to hear because every, their whole reasoning for why they were against black women was just because of internalized stereotypes. Oh, black women are angry. Black women give you attitude. Attitude. Black women don't want to do nothing. And I'm like, really do you really think that or have you just been taught to think that I mean do you meet a single black woman that breaks those stereotypes I mean probably not because you don't try to I 
guarantee you black womanhood is not a monolith. Not everyone is the same. And it's just funny. I don't want to say funny because that's kind of too lighthearted. Not funny, haha, but funny hysterically. Funny hysterically. Like, wow. And yeah, it kind of hurts that that was kind of also in the Black Panther Party. But it's really just because I could I could definitely see it as being one of those things where the Black Panther Party leaders wanted to prioritize blackness over any other divisive identity. And that's yes. not to that's not to justify it, but I think they failed to see that blackness is integral to womanhood when it comes to being a black woman. Yes. And, and- you can't overlook both. You can't overlook one part. Yes. You have to be both. And that talks about like the intersectionality of being black and a woman. It's two times as hard right. because you have two things you're fighting against, not just one. Exactly. And that is so prevalent within looking at the Black Panther Party. I mean, even their own leaders were black women and they still refused to listen to them. So they knew they were smart enough to lead, but they still didn't want to listen and they still wanted to put them down. I mean, like, that's crazy. Like, I mean, I can, I know I keep saying that's crazy, but it's it's hard to process. Um, and, I mean, I think we can relate that to now um, with oh, Stacey Abrams. Absolutely. Yeah, I said it. I said it. <laughs> um, so the the fight is against misogyny and racism, exactly. or what we like to call misogynoir, racism yes. against black women. Exactly. So. Proceeding on, even though even though we just kind of did a did a whole criticism on the Black Panther Party, let's let's get back to why we want to reframe the narrative around them. The Black Panther Party did a lot for the community, and I don't I don't want to input my own opinions, but I want to present this objectively. The Black Panther Party wanted to provide for those in their community because they felt that they had the power to do so more so than the government, and. Yes. That makes sense because leaders of the Black Panther Party were in poverty with their community. They were seeing their people struggle. And if they knew the causes of this, they thought that they could have the remedy. Whereas people in White House didn't live in their circumstances. And so they didn't know how to fix it. And so I think that's really fair for them to say that. And I think that translates very well into the initiative that they started, free breakfast for school children, distributing clothes to community members, offering politic and economic education for children, exactly. administering medical care, providing yes. self-defense, going back to the Black <laughs> Panther Party of self-defense, um, drug rehabilitation services. I just, I like that one the most because yes. the Black Panther Party was trying to address the issue of drug use, whereas, you know, later policies didn't want to address it in their, in their, uh, extremes. They, you know, the war on drugs was, was was really, was really a war on people. It wasn't trying to rehabilitate or, you know, decrease drug use. It was just about locking people up. Yeah. And they were valid in thinking that they were able to make a change more than the government. I mean, I think so too. At one point they had over 10,000 members and they expanded to over 20 cities, which is a huge influence within the black community if you think, think about so especially in urban cities at this point um, it's really hard to like come together well that goes back to how it's a different time so you know there is a greater sense of community compared to now when it's hard to get people together but even back then I think that was amazing yeah and so I think going back to their idea of being more equipped and capable of protecting their people mm-hmm. I mean they were large enough to protect black Americans and they 
did a great job and they were proactive instead of reactive Period. By, by providing food and medical care and things of that nature. And that's the best way to protect your own people is through ensuring that they have the right resources to be successful. Tangible things, yes. tangible things, giving them the, giving them the resources to help themselves. And I mean, yeah. I know that that's a tenant of an existing ideology, helping people help themselves, but you know, actually act upon that give them (laughs) adequate resources to help themselves and then we can talk yeah and they were basically getting the same services and resources that white americans were getting on the norm Mm -hmm. the black panther party were the people that were providing it yeah so we can't really give the government the satisfaction of saying that they really helped us because the black panther party basically started it um yeah, I know. I'm saying it. <laughs> I am. I'm saying it. I mean, we wanted we wanted to be objective, but yeah, exactly. right now let's let's just let's get into it, yeah, shall we? Let's yeah, get exactly. into it. Get into it. And something that I also like is the the emphasis that the Black Panther Party placed on pride, yes. placed on the identity of the individuals that they were teaching. Instead of instead of allowing the world to kind of shape Black Panther Party members and Black Panther Party members' children of who they are, they ingrained that within them. Um, they said, are you an American Negro? And the child would respond, no, I'm not. My ethnicity is Afro-American. And that's powerful. Yes. It's not that leaders were telling the children who they are, but they were saying, don't conform. Don't let them, them being the government, being society at large, mm-hmm. tell you who you are. Yeah, and I really, really saw that within this video that I saw on the National Museum of African American History and Culture. It was talking about how um, the police or their teachers would try to do anything for them to identify themselves as Negro Americans instead of African American. And I think they use the incentive of money. They show they realized that they were they tried to get them to understand that they would not be successful if they didn't identify themselves as American American Negro Negro instead of Black Americans. And so the Black Panther Party's effort into instilling that African American was a gift. Mm -hmm. It was something to be proud of. And like, you know, that idea that African history is intelligence, Mm -hmm. it's beauty, it's strength. And instead of, you know, putting that narrative of being barbaric on them yes like and, yeah go ahead. sorry uh just reframing what society wanted to push down black children's throats yeah. like no you are valuable even though systems are working against you you have the potential to work and become a not profitable citizen but a productive citizen mm-hmm. and i think that is amazing but i really really hate to see how that whole thing was just flipped when it came down to how the government, the federal government Mm -hmm. viewed the Black Panther Party and viewed their constructive efforts as terroristic and hateful. Yeah, it was hateful. hateful. It was violent. It was radical. It was, and really they categorized the Black Panther Party that way because it was different. It was. Yeah, they had never seen anybody really embracing their African culture like them before it was fear i tell you yes. it was fear like seeing the contrast between 
what the Black Panther Party was doing. And let's let's not forget that, yes, the Black Panther Party did walk around with loaded guns to protect mm-hmm. their people. Definitely. And that could have been seen as, well, it was seen as, as belligerent, a as a fear tactic. Yeah. But it wasn't even that the Black Panther Party was like, I'm going to hurt you. The Black Panther Party was, or members of the Black Panther Party were really just resolute in their ability and their power saying, if you hurt me, I will defend myself. Exactly. And even that was revolutionary to society, the federal government. I keep saying society, but that's really, that's really (laughs) who the, what the Black Panther Party was trying to go against, Mm -hmm. the status quo. And, and I think that it's really important that you mentioned society because, um, middle-aged and older people didn't necessarily agree with the Black Panther Party's approach. Mm-hmm. Um, they saw it as too radical, or they thought it wasn't the right way of doing things. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, older people often don't um, agree with younger younger um, individuals' ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's really important. Like, older African-American people didn't agree with a party that was fighting for them. Yeah, and so it's not even that the Black Panther Party is necessarily fighting against all white people yes. it's just fighting against people that don't see mm-hmm. the necessity of their actions and exactly it kind of all those people that follow that ideology of not really accepting the black panther party kind of fall under the umbrella of society so, yeah. and other and otherized exactly thing. we wanted to clarify that because yeah. we wanted to make sure that you understood who we were talking about when we say society <laughs> but yes um going back mm-hmm. the contrast between what the black panther party was doing their ideals, their purpose, providing and defending the Mm -hmm. black body contrasted with what the federal government declared them to be doing, um, organizing terrorist attacks. They literally declared the Black Panther Party a terrorist group, organization, a terrorist Mm -hmm. organization. And how, how can you say that when they were trying to empower their children, when they were trying to give their children the resources to be productive human beings? Exactly. And be unapologetic in their identity. Unapologetic about mm-hmm. being black. They yes. W- thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. Thank you so much for saying that because of I course. think I think that is really what comes down to it. And I'm not I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but <laughs> it was fear. The federal mm-hmm. government was afraid of black people being mobilized mm-hmm. and being confident in who they are because the federal government wanted the black man, mm-hmm. the black woman, the black child to remain in a stooped position mm-hmm. so that they could be complicit in the system that was never, never devised to protect them. Yeah. And they wanted to silence their voices. They didn't like how they had a prominent voice in society. They, they didn't. Were loud enough so you could see them and you could hear them and you knew who they were and you knew the leaders. And the federal government and did fe- not like that. Yeah, and they did and the federal government government and the FBI did everything <laughs> in their power. Everything. To arrest the individuals of the um Black Panther Party and do anything they could to diminish everything that they had created. <laughs> like destabilize the foundation of the Black Panther Party. Exactly. They infiltrated like I I think I was watching a video, Angela Davis was saying how, like, one of the bodyguards mm-hmm. of either Huey P. Newton or um, Bobby Bobby Sales was a spy. It was a spy. Like, mm-hmm. his bodyguard was a spy. Exactly. And so, and even at one point, like, the leaders of the Black Panther Party were the most wanted people mm-hmm. in the United States. Yeah. You think about Asada Shakur, 
Angela Davis. People who fled yes, the country. Yes, fled the country. To escape the grasp of the federal government. Because yes. they just wanted to destroy the Black Panther Party exactly. that bad. Like, I think it's really important to mention, you're saying, about, you're talking about fleeting, fleeting the country, mm-hmm. is the fact that Angela Davis and Asada Shakur, they had to leave their families behind mm-hmm. because of their idea of black liberation. And why is it that why is it that you have to choose? Why is it that you have to flee the government if you want to accept yourself as who you are? Mm-hmm. And that's that's so valid to right now. Like if you <laughs> if you just take a second. Oh my gosh. It's like okay, thank you for being prophetic over here like uh, of course. taking taking that to now. Yes. It's radical to be unapologetic about who you are. Exactly. And you are applauded for appreciating your own culture and identity and how you see yourself and, like, what you bring to the table. It's, like, that appreciation for being strong-willed. Like, that's how you should be. Right. Like, don't tokenize me appreciating myself. Make that the norm. Normalize it. Yes. Period. So letting letting that simmer, yeah, letting, letting that, that simmer a little sink bit. In. I hope we're leaving with some food for thought, everyone. Um, and we really want to emphasize that this podcast really isn't just for a specific type of person. Every person can learn from stay conscious. Um, exactly. We post about literally everything. We're gonna talk about everything. Everyone can learn from stay conscious, and this podcast. Our platform in general is not for a specific race, a specific yes. demographic. We think that everyone can learn from breaches in social justice or just from talking about social justice at all. Exactly. And so, yes, this episode focused on the Black Panther Party, but yeah, yeah. the ideas behind it, embracing who you are and then being punished for it mm-hmm. or trying to equip yourself with the resources to live a productive life and then being barred from doing so. That's something anyone and everyone should learn from and should challenge. Exactly. And that's on Black Liberation. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you on our next episode. Thank you. Bye.